Hey everybody, welcome back to Downstage with Brian and Hayden. This is what, episode five, six? We're in that middle phase now, in that beginning phase, so we found our footing. Uh, this week in entertainment, uh, it was kind of like very quiet. I mean, quiet in the sense of there wasn't that many big entertainment news. I mean, Kim Kardashian hosted SNL over the weekend, and from what I've seen, she handled it quite uh Fair. She actually married in front of herself, uh, her family, OJ, so which is always fun to see. You know, it, it wasn't that. It was a slow news weekend in terms of entertainment, but it was kind of like a very uh, interesting week for horror-related uh, things. Now, perfect given that it's October and uh, you yeah. know spooky season. And uh, I don't know if anybody could see it, but I'm wearing my Chucky shirt for tonight's uh, uh, premiere of Chucky on Sci-Fi in the USA. So, but hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? <laughs> uh, it's amazing to know that's actually a, a female voice who always does. Who does? No, no, not female voice. It's a child's voice that they used for the first movie. Mm-hmm. And when they, I think they still got the the original actor who did the that voice thing later in life. But I'm not sure if it's like the same voice or if the person who does it still is able to like reach a high, you know, a high pitch in terms of just doing like a childlike voice. Because, you know, I've done a childlike voice and it's amazingly hard not to do it. And then suddenly it's like I have a headache like five seconds later because it's like it's like one, it does put a strain in your voice. And two, it's like it's it's like legitimately hard to to also keep that voice going, especially if you're like, if you're like playing, uh, if you're like in your, like in your thirties or forties and you still have to play like a little, uh, high pitched kid. So it's like acting is fun and hard at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, Hayden, how was your week? It was all right. Uh, we had a, um, well, so the script series I've been writing, uh, we did the reading for the, uh, season finale of it and mm-hmm. that went amazing. And I basically just started writing the second season of episodes. Now, in terms of your series, uh, to those who know, who don't know, uh, Hayden has been writing a, uh, I want to say quasi superhero or maybe just like a superhero light show with superhero mm-hmm. elements. But in, in terms of your series, is it going to be like 13 episodes per like series or is it just going to be like each season kind of like dialing down a little bit to, you know, maybe, you know, one season could be one season could be thirteen episodes, another season could be ten episodes, followed by maybe eight episodes, or is it just like from a story, or do you just write it from a story standpoint where it's just like I have thirteen, I, I mean, thirteen episodes to fill out a story idea or a whole season? Uh, well, I first just kind of started like playing around with like um, with the story idea, then I kind of go into how far can I take this idea, and then I figure, okay, you know, cut it here. That's this is could amount to a season worth of material. Or at least a few general ideas, and then as I'm writing, I'll kind of find more stuff to kind of fill in the space. But I try to keep it in within 13, so I think 13 is just a great amount of, um, like, content for episodes. See, because 10 can be good, um, but, like, 12 or 13, I think that's kind of, like, you know, the golden area. Yeah, it is, and especially if you're just writing, like, a condensed a standalone miniseries or standalone series where it doesn't feel like it's uh, uh, overly done and whatnot. It's like I have the same problem because uh, for the past year and a, or, well, actually, yeah, for the past, like, maybe a year or so, I outlined a great horror-related uh, superhero series. Well, I wouldn't say superhero, but it's, like, it's superhero light. You know, it doesn't, it has the same type of things you would see in a superhero series and stuff like that too. So it's definitely one of those type of stories, but at the same time, it's also horror related. So that's more my field. And again, it goes into the horror related 
the fact that, you know, this is October. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, you know, I outlined it and I want to have at least, you know, seven to eight episodes because, you know, even though I could probably stretch it to 13 episodes, the problem I have is, like, if I do stretch it to 13 episodes, what do I have it in those, like, episodes where I don't have uh, the active storyline? Because, well, the main character is a hitman, right? Mm-hmm. And he has essentially, oh, an Oni, there we go, Hitman, where he's able to essentially pinpoint anything that will allow him to essentially perform the perfect kill and do it in a way that, you know, it's like he wasn't even there, sort of like quality. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, he's also, he has a lot of emotional trauma that he doesn't really uh, respond to. It's like, yeah, he has emotional trauma, that sort of thing, too, and... Uh, but his emotional trauma really does like triggers as a violent rage. Mm-hmm. So the more he acts out in a violent rage, the more he feels more at peace. And that's essentially the um, uh, his essentially main problem over the entire course of the first season is like, does he really succumb to his um, inner demons, like literally or figuratively, and just become like a you know a, a killer a killer that has no remorse and whatnot, or can he balance it out by helping essentially this one woman that he you know meets one night with her kid, and he's like you know could he find an actual normal life? I play around with the the morality of you know killing someone, uh, enact on a vigilante justice, or should person that tormented him so much that should they go to you know jail? rather than having him having, like, the weight of, you know, murdering someone. So it's like, I like dealing with those type of themes where it's just like the morality of a person's actions really does outweigh the person's, uh, you know, outweighs the person's actions because it actually makes a more uh, funner character to have, like, oh, you know, this person's a thief. But they're not doing it because they want to get rich and whatnot, or they're not doing this because they feel it's a, a good way to earn, you know, to be uh, earning money and whatnot. They they just do it because they, they just love it. You know, they love being a thief. They love stealing shit. And, you know, it's like, and how do you uh, write that as a character and make sure it's a, a consistent character? Mm-hmm. So, and that's my problem is like, I have this great outline of a beautiful story. It's like, where do I find that consistency of everything? And from from the uh, times I read for your thing, it was like you had a great consistency, especially even though I was like coming in like a little late in, in the game, and you know, I had still, you know, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of the things. I'm oh, sorry, what? I needed a little drink, so I was like waiting for you to talk. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh yeah, so um, well, a couple of things I'm hearing is like um, you. Uh, it seems like you want to have a, you know, like a more focus on your main character, which if you're doing like a small number of episodes, that could work. But I feel like if you do want to, would want to try and extend it, like have it go for a couple more episodes, then you, then you need to go back and then look at your supporting characters and see what more you can put into them and then see what they can bring to the story, how they can affect the protagonist as well. Yeah. And I have a, a good supporting list of characters, you know, outside of the main villain and his uh, essentially mastermind, uh, what have you. Even though she isn't really a mastermind, she's more like the puppet master controlling everything. You know, I have essentially the the, uh, the love interest, or you know, and you know, the mother and whatnot, and dealing with her stuff. And I have essentially two more supporting characters. One is like the stereotypical, I want to say stereotypical funny wise guy, but he's more or less along the lines of like one of those type of wise guys you just see in, uh, you know, 
he's not stereotypical, but at the same time, he is part of the like the you know mafia. So it's like I'm just trying not to play it as like the, you know the, the the you know uh not as like stereotype like like he speaks in the same stereotypical goon speak, but at the same time, he's just like he's you know he's a criminal, but at the same time, he's one of the main character's friends. Mm-hmm. And the last character I have is a uh, ER doctor who's sort of like a like a clinic doctor who you know makes sure the not only is my main character drugged up so he so he doesn't have to be in this like very rage filled type of emotions and all this stuff like that too so it's like and his story is actually quite interesting because you know not only does his character is like involved in the A storyline his like I mean his B storyline kind of connects to his like the A storyline so it does actually mm-hmm. work out so if I do decide to do oh you know ten episodes maybe even eleven or something like that I can easily like fill that type of like things just like okay this is a, gr- a great episode to focus on these two characters. Or this mm-hmm. will be a great episode to focus on this character, you know? mm-hmm. especially since you know one of the episodes I do want to have is the main character flashing back to prison because prison mm-hmm. is sort of like the, because he he was because the main character was uh, sent to prison naturally, you know mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like not one of those type of things where it's just like oh he's, he's like he's always off you know. Uh, on the run for law, and they're like, no, I want to play like somewhat realistic, even though he has like a supernatural power like backing him up and all that stuff. So it's like, but that's also the prison is also the the place where he found himself both uh fig, you know both found himself just where he is just like both figuratively and literally. Like mm-hmm. prison is like the type of place where he like awoke to his actual natural self, mm-hmm. like because you know it's like his prison, so he's he, and. The idea I have with the prison thing is like I kind of like I, I I more or less took the plot to an old Jean Claude Van Damme movie and kind of like put it right into that thing, <laughs> where it's like Jean Claude Van Damme goes to prison to catch some killer and essentially the killer and not the killer uh, the prison is like holding some blood sport type of thing so it's like it's like the perfect way to introduce this like character's lifestyle in a more uh, grounded way and saying, oh, okay, I c- we can see why uh, the main character is the way he is, you know, he just can't control it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, talk- there was something similar like that in the, I think it was the, the second Raid movie, where the main character, who's a cop, goes undercover in a yeah. prison, and he thinks that there's like, you know, some prisoners are coming to carry out a hit on him, so he kind of prepares himself and he immediately strikes first, only to then realize he actually wasn't the target. It was actually someone else who he was supposed to be investigating was the target. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, and it's a beautiful, brutal uh, fight scene too, because it's like it takes place outside in the in like, the, in like a muddy field essentially. Yeah, muddy field, and it's basically the play. Yeah, the playground or the play yard, whatever it's called. Yeah, the play yard. There we go. And now, and you have this character who's a, essentially a brutal fighter and. You know, and you're fighting in the mud too, so it's like you just see someone who you just see essentially not only a realistic fight, but also a beautiful shot fight too. So like, and not just that too, like it's not just you know a great fight scene just for the sake of having a great fight scene. That fight scene does have an impact on the story because then oh, yeah. it proves that to the person who's being investigated, hey, I can trust this dude; he can hold his own. Yeah. And he basically just like took on these guys to protect me. Yeah, without realizing it. So. Exactly. Uh, I actually haven't watched the raid and the raid two in like maybe a few years, so I probably will, you know, actually go about uh, and rewatching some of this stuff, you know, not only as a way to inspire myself to to go back and make sure everything is all, you know, 
pan down one that. But mm-hmm. yeah, and it goes. And, and, I, and I will say just to kind of quickly like go back to like the story you were talking about. So I think like um, you know if you were to kind of you know um, carry it out a little longer, like a couple more episodes. Think about how your B storyline with your supporting characters or your C storyline with supporting characters, like what effect will that have on them and how long will that carry for and how will like in turn the, you know, the supporting characters, like let's say they have a C storyline, it gets completed in like a one episode or two episodes yeah. and then it'll have an impact on them. It'll affect them. And how will that then affect the A storyline that they'll be involved in? Oh yeah. And it does actually wrap up very nicely because at the end, like all the characters do meet together and, you know, not in a more like a uh, roundabout way, but you know, they all are essentially conveying on the one location, uh, like the one main location for the, not like the climax, but like the main location that essentially starts off the climax. And then mm-hmm. it goes into that little direction there. Uh, and are they all being brought there by the puppet master, or is it all different events that happen to bring them to this one station? Well, one, the, the, the Dorian, I mean, well, the main character, Dorian, he goes after the puppet master and the main bad guy while the doctor is helping Dorian, and the wise guy is also helping Dorian to uh, reveal who this puppet master is and who this per- person is, like, tormenting the city and whatnot. So it's like, it, it, it's a... Uh, Again, not to lift off from a movie, but we kind of like lifted it off from Batman Returns, where it was like, uh, I played the stinking city like a hot from hell. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, there isn't, there necessarily isn't like something that's going to be a whole and completely original because something is always going to have an inspiration on something. Like you can watch five different shows and you can see, oh, at least one thing from some other movie or TV show has inspired this um, show. And speaking of inspiring, uh, you know, inspiring shows and whatnot, uh, which leads into my first uh, discussion point today. Uh, over the week, uh, Catherine Hahn's character from WandaVision, Agnes Harkness, or Agna, or the nosy neighbor. Uh, Agatha. Agatha, thank you. It's been a while since I've watched the show, even though the show came on, like, literally at the start of the year. So it was, like, almost, like, what, nine months ago? Yeah, nine mm-hmm. months ago. So, oh, I mean, yeah, like, time flies when it comes to TV shows. Yeah. Especially so, when they're, like, you know, like, essentially one-off shows. Yeah. Uh, like, the same problem, I, like, even though Falcon and the Winter Soldier just came out, like, a few months ago, I'm just, like, there's probably uh, characters I forgot who the names are already, aside from maybe, uh, you know, Bucky and Sam and uh, John, John Walker and uh, who's it called the the Julia Louis Dreyfus character that comes up uh, uh, Madame Hydra yeah essentially but but uh, Agatha they announced that Catherine Hans Agatha from WandaVision is getting her own spinoff and what I was thinking was like I really do hope it that they, they play off the show like the Witches of Eastwick where it's like She's part of like some coven and they are trying to, and now they, you know, all the people who are asking about Mephisto and all that stuff in WandaVision can finally get that little Mephisto. Mephisto. (laughs) Yeah, Mephisto is finally confirmed in the MCU. Yeah, I I mean, one that's probably never going to happen anyway. Oh, no, no. And if it is going to happen, it's like, we're going to have, it'll be just like a one-off kind of joke where it's just like. It would, it would be something that just happens in, in like, um, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie. Yeah. And it'll just be like, 
okay, wrong universe, let's keep going, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would literally be like that X-Men cameo from Deadpool 2, where all the X-Men are in just one room hiding from Deadpool, and they slowly close the door. But <laughs> That's going to be Mephisto, he's just going to be like, but yeah, I, 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 we joke about that, but I actually do feel like I hope that if they do do the Agatha series, it is it does play like uh, the Witches of Eastwick, where it's just like she's with a couple of her uh, coven buddies, or covenant, I should say, even though uh, the series does allude to the fact that, you know, if she's with a stronger witch, she like essentially takes her power and whatnot. And what I got the end idea of, the, like, then maybe doing something similar to Eastwick would be like the person, I believe the show when it like pitched the show idea as a dark comedy. And mm. what I was, it's like the moment I heard a dark comedy, especially with a witch as a protagonist, I was just thinking about, Oh, the witches of Eastwick, where it was like, instead of her trying to get, you know, Jack Nicholson to come on to, you know, to marry Jack Nicholson and whatnot is basically the same idea, but maybe, you know, something like similar, but yeah, but I, 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 I messaged you that, and it was like, it was like, oh, I have idea. I was like, oh, I have words about that spinoff. So, so Hayden, why don't you like the idea of Agatha having her own spinoff? Well, because it's like where we leave off with her in one division. It's like she is essentially depowered. It seems like, or at least she's so much more weakened, and then, it's, and then she's essentially now been put into a hex within her own mind. It seems like because want to dig rid of the actual hex. Except for Agatha, who is essentially within the the one division show hex or whatever, the hex within herself essentially, where she's kind of as that character we see her in the beginning as that, you know, that very um, sitcom style character. And it's like, yeah, it's gonna be a dark comedy, but it's like, what can you do with this character at this particular point though? Because that's the thing. It's like, yeah, we we love her character. She was great, obviously. Yeah. But I think this might be too soon though, because I feel like if I mean, and unless it's going to tie into um, like the Doctor Strange Man. Multiverse of Madness movie, yeah. But but then I'm not even sure if that's going to happen because like, this is something because this kind of series seems like it only has just come about because of the popularity of One Division and of the character of Agatha. Yeah. So it, it just feels like it's too soon to happen. And honestly, I'm just kind of worried that they're just gonna like. It just feels too soon. I feel like they're gonna ruin like an opportunity with it where it's like, I feel like if like maybe they did it after the Dr. Strange movie, after what happens in that. And then maybe that's how they could, um, you know, go back to the character of Agatha. Yeah. Because, because from what we've heard, the Dr. Strange movie is going to be so insanely crazy and maybe so crazy that something in there that could affect Wanda could then undo the hex on Agatha. And then she can just be, and then we can get that dark comedy or, or, or whatever. And, and, of course, a lot of it does actually tie into what you just said before, where you were just joking before with the X Men, because I know Agatha is a X Men character, so maybe you know, and Marvel just has gotten the rights to the X Men, so maybe it is going to be like a a slow burn into it's like, oh, even though this is a one off comedy, you know, you know, dark comedy series, or I mean, it is Marvel, so it's like it may be a dark comedy series, but it might be a it would probably be a, a serious series overall because you know even though they have their moments of dark comedy or comedy things, it, it's still played serious and stuff like that too. But well, even dark comedy Marvel isn't really that um you know like they don't really tread that far into the dark comedy aspect. Yeah, I mean comedy, yeah, it'll do, but when it, if it's a dark like the darker comedy elements, that's something they don't really go into as much. Yeah. 
it's like it's like it's literally like uh, watching like weird yes like watching something that's per, like it's like it's funny but at the same time it doesn't really go into that you know ha ha funny thing it's just like they just played like the door county bits a little it's like actually I think actually like actually Dexter Dexter is a great example of dark comedy yeah uh, D- Dexter when he does like like Dexter like, like the scene with Dokes where he's like oh yeah I own you headbutts him. And then casually walks outside, tra la la la, and then I like, can't help but laugh so hard when Doke just like charges out and just like, like attacking him, because it's like. <laughs> and it's always like the like the times where Dexter is alluding that he is a serial killer in front of his own coworkers, like he you know he has like a. Uh... Or like his inner, or like his inner monologue, like I remember one of them where it's like um, when Deborah, his sister, had to live with him, and he's just and he's like uh, because his, you know his sister is a lot more messy, and then he's just like. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister. I will not kill my sister in his head. <laughs> there was also another one where it's like, uh, he's just envisioning is like, Depper, I am the Bay Harbor Butcher. And he's just flashing, <laughs> he's just flashing over to the amount of times he's just like, he's like, Deborah's like, oh my God. And it's like, <laughs> and there's another one where she's like, step back, motherfucker. <laughs> just like, and they just pulled the trigger on one of them. Yeah. I'm like, really just choking on the, like, what? And <laughs> it's I, like every possible outcome. And Dexter's like, nope, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's how you play dual comedy well is like having a setup like a setup like Dexter Morgan, who isn't like known like a character who isn't have like a comedy thing, and then have moments of just like liberty where it's just like he knows that even in a weird uh <laughs> weird location that he is or a weird placement that he is. That he just has his moments of levity where it's just like, it just worked for him. Yeah. Like, like and, one episode where he hits, um, Rita's ex-husband with a frying pan, knocking him out, and he just kind of has this look of like, ooh. That didn't go as well. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine if this is, uh, Agatha, I imagine like her dark comedy moments will be like, uh, Similar to how it is in the reveal, whereas like she isn't the nosy neighbor because I am at like one. It would yeah, be well, she was, yeah, she was only the nosy neighbor because she had to fit the role so she could get closer to Wanda. Yeah, I mean, one, it would be interesting to see how she came to Westview. You know, mm-hmm. you know there's that notion, and two. Uh, her life after not only killing her mother, but also her uh, like her mother's covenant. So essentially, it goes from the Shalem Witch Trials to where it was uh, Monday and Marvel. So you have like this essentially like what three hundred years or three to four hundred years? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it was like in the sixteen hundreds when the Salem Witch Trials were happening. If I if I remember right. Yeah, it's like so that's probably something. Uh, something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does like, and it'd be nice to actually see you know. Uh, like the Hellfire Club actually pop up too, and mm. of course that's just like wistful thinking too. Whereas it's like, oh, it's the Hellfire Club and Agatha Ag- is part of it, and, and yeah, then, I, I think if the show was like, um, if they kind of like make it more of like a um, like a mindfuck kind of show, where it's yeah. like Agatha constantly going in between one minute she's in the past, re- like reliving moments from her past, one, yeah. but as her current self, and then another moment she's in the present day, and another moment she's just in a random part of history in the middle, just kind of doing whatever she was doing during that time. I mean, in a way, it could like, be like, like, it could, like, cause it could be like, cause, cause like, I think if they do it like that, they do it, it could be like, that could be how Agatha's trying to break that 
hex that I wanted to put on her, and that could be interesting. And then yeah, I feel like it's probably going to end with, like, Madame Hydra just kind of showing up and be like, oh, hi, darling, would you like to join my team? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm all for Catherine Hahn having her own show, especially on Disney+. Plus. I mean, I would have loved it if it was if it was just Olivia Octavius, but, uh, oh, wait, is that still spoiler? <laughs> but I would love it if it was her version of Doc Ock having her own, like, uh, Disney Plus show, even if it was just, like, a... Uh, a five-minute, uh, like, science tutorial things of just, like, and it just, and it just involves, it, you know, evolves from, like, a science thing into her actually uh, showing, like, almost like in, like, her <laughs> just taking out all these inventions that she made and actually putting it into use and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, that's how you play dog comedy. It's like, you know, all, is like, you have a couple of episodes of these, like, random how-to things and then as the series is rolling along, these how-to things just go into the real world, and just suddenly, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that that um that portable cannon that she was just talking about like two episodes ago, um, she used that to rob a bank. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would have. Loved- it, it, it could it could be funny too, like um like they have like um Agatha just trying to mess around with some spells to try and like you know escape that hex that's put on her, and then she ends up creating a you know temporary multiverse portal where um the the Octavius character she voiced it. I'm, I already forgot the name. Liv, the, the, Liv Octavia, uh, it's Olivia Octavius. Okay, yeah, Olivia Octavius from the Spider Verse movie just shows up, but like appears in the human world as the animated version of herself. Yeah. So then it's like the two have to try and it sounds like the two end up kind of having like, you know, like a conversation where it's like almost like she's chatting with herself. Yeah, which which will be fun. And I know is like, especially with the how uh, not only what if and stuff like that, too. And uh, Loki is trying to do the whole multiverse thing, even though DC has done like a multiverse thing, like a little more better. But, you know, that's a discussion mm-hmm. for another day. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like the idea, I love the idea of Catherine Hunt having her own show, especially on Disney Plus. But as of right now, it's it's definitely on um, uncharted waters. But at the same time, I'm just like waiting to see more about the show because will it be successful? Obviously, so. It's, it's got to be on Disney Plus. It's got to be very successful. But will it be mm-hmm. as successful as WandaVision, which will probably be like or Loki? You know? mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's definitely gonna get people like people are gonna watch it for you know uh, Catherine Hahn for sure, obviously because yeah, she is great and is and it's cool that she's in her show. People are gonna watch it for that for sure. But it, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, will it stack up? You know, as good as the other shows were, and even One Division, in my opinion, blundered their ending, which which you know because of the pandemic they kind of had to, which is really unfortunate yeah. because we would have gotten more time with Wanda and um, Agatha, and then we went and gotten that side quest thing. Between um, Monica, um, the, uh, the 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 woman with glasses, whose name I'm forgetting, Darcy. Dor- yeah, Darcy, and um, the I don't want to say I'm, I'm like I don't want to say his name because I'm like no, I, the fact that his name is what it is is just so stupid. Fake Quicksilver. I'm just gonna call him that. So there would have been a side quest with those three characters trying to basically you know break one of Agatha's spells. Yeah, I can admit, I, like. You know, replaying some of the scenes in my head uh, from the finale, it definitely feels like it was rushed because of what's, what was happening with the pandemic and stuff like that, too. And Especially because its concept was super brilliant, like, with, with like, the sitcom style. But then yeah. it's, like, once they kind of got into episode, um, I think it was probably think the eighth how. episode. Even I the think- seventh episode was just a little um, rushed, especially because it's, like, the, mainly just because it's, like, when Monica is 
goes through the hex again and it's just like it's it literally takes like a, a super long time to go through like a paper thin looking hex thing like yeah, I, I don't think that's how science would work even even in a comic book universe <laughs> like if she should have at least gone through it and then have that internal conflict of and then of like the hex trying to change her and then she you know maintain and then she uses her new power all of a sudden to just like you know ground herself in reality yeah there's a few things that obviously was uh, rewritten or edited down because of uh, COVID and stuff like that too. But it, it's even Doctor Strange was supposed to be in it, but they had to write him out. Yeah, like like he was going to show up in one of those little like um, commercials within the episode. Oh, which would have been amazing to see, especially given it's you know Wanda and her you know magic mm-hmm. and her tapping into a magic ability, you know stuff like that too. Exactly, and the commercials would have essentially... I think the commercials, if I remember hearing this right, would have been Doctor Strange's way of trying to communicate with Wanda to figure out what's going on. Which, you know, which I can understand them uh, switching it to uh, uh, Jimmy and instead of uh, Doctor Strange was... Well, they didn't, they didn't really switch it to Jimmy, though. Oh, okay. Because like, the, the way that happens is, like, he just is on a radio, and Wanda is just standing around, and she happens to kind of be listening and thinking, huh, what's going on? Then, nah, never mind, back to normal, nothing happened. Mm. All right, uh, but speaking of, uh, what was it, uh, trying to live up to expectations to everything else, it, it goes into my, our, my next uh, track or discussion point, which is essentially ca- uh, casting news. Uh, one, uh, Ki, Ki, oh, how, how do you pronounce her name? Ki, Kira Shrip, uh, Shripper? Shripin? I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but... The, the recent actress to play Sabrina Spellman is guest starring on Riverdale, the show that just won't die. Uh, and a lot of people are confused because, one, is she playing the Sabrina Spellman on the net that was on Netflix, or is she just playing the Sabrina Spellman that comes from the Riverdale uh, Archie comics, where it's just essentially, oh, you know, she is a witch, but, you know, and they haven't really explained Either if she is playing the one from Netflix, because if she is playing the one from Networks, uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, a little problematic, a little problematic because her character ends up, you know, not only as Queen of Hell but also kind of dead. I think at the end, so it's kind of it's mm-hmm. like so if she is playing the same character from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. One, how does she not only um, relinquish uh, her Queen of Hell title and also, you know, being dead, being the whole dead thing, and going into, you know, Riverdale? Or is it two, just basically, oh, it's a one-off episode where she's just playing Sabrina Spellman. It has no connection to everything else aside from she's just playing Sabrina. Um, it's just, it's got to be a one, you know, one, uh, one-off episode. That's just going to be fun. It ties into, you know, uh, what is that? Life without Archie or life with Archie thing where it's like, oh, Archie's a zombie or something like that. And she plays a, like a major character in the comics. Mm-hmm. Or I think it's like either life with Archie or life without Archie. But it's basically the zombie version of uh, the Archie comics and whatnot. And uh, it's or is it just like she's just there as a dream character where it's just like she's just there because one, the, the showrunner for both uh, Chilling Adventures as a Rare and Riverdale basically does the same show. And he wrote. And created the, the the comics that's based off of those things. So it's like he has his own way of just doing the characters. Well, the way I see this is like honestly, I feel like the answer is already kind of. I feel like you've already kind of explained the answer, but it's like a little bit of bit and pieces of each one kind of. I think because yeah. I think you could have it that yeah, she is the 
you know, the the dead Queen of Hell witch, but you can have her as, appear as the like this sort of angel of death kind of you know ghost character. Like they could have Archie in this sort of like comatose state in a hospital, um, or one other character like that in a hospital. But probably Archie because if they're gonna do zombie Archie or something like that, they could do like you know Archie in a comatose state, and then this the Sabrina Queen of Hell shows up as sort of like trying to tell him, hey, well, hey, here's gonna be life without you, and then she'll just kind of take him on this journey. The sort of wonderful, the sort of it's a wonderful life esque thing. We're kind of showing him here. Hey, here's what reality is going to look like if you're not there. And yeah, kind of showing him all the alternate, you know, possibilities, and then essentially trying to make it seem like, don't worry, everyone's going to be better without you. Like kind of making it some very like you know trippy kind of thing, and then uh, trying to basically coax Archie into accepting death. But then Archie will probably be like, no, I'm just going to live instead. And then yeah, just you know, yeah. casually wakes up, and then and because yeah, it's C- because it's CW, because it's Riverdale, I, I, I feel like it would literally end with just like. um that's the brand character is kind of like casually turning around in the chair and then being like this to the camera. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that actually being, uh, something like that was like, because I imagine just being on CW and I, and I do appreciate CW as a network because it does have some good shows. Just some of these shows that they keep on on is just like, they just milk the, they the milk the money off. out of it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the reason why, you know, Supernatural was on for like almost like, like, like past 15, 15 seasons like 10, yeah. 10 like 10 seasons past his due date and mm-hmm. like how and like how many more times do you want to see sam and dean like nearly die and like then people are like oh we oh, not just oh not just nearly die like how many times like do you actually, really want to see them die just for them to find a way to bring them back yeah like that's literally what it's not just nearly die like literally die and then we get brought back like how many how many more times can we watch Castiel lose his powers and suddenly regain his powers and suddenly become God and then not become God and then suddenly also, become also also the the whole freaking bloodline of like yeah we have to kill God he's God he could literally snap us he could Thanos snap us out of existence how like why why wouldn't he just do that anyway like yeah sure you're having fun torturing them but you're dude you're God you could literally win right now. And he, like literally, there's so many chances where he's like, I could just, he could just end it all right then and there, and then win, and then, uh, I, yeah, CW definitely has a problem with like shows going on way too long, and then they kind of start drifting into very melodrama esque categories as they progress yeah. on because it's like they sort of start losing their way the longer they go. And uh, and I'm not saying that Sabrina won't be played melodramatically, but I you know watched at least the first two seasons of Chilling Adventures, and it, it, you know the first season was pretty good, and then I watched the second season. I kind of like droned out of the second season by the midpoint, where it was like this wasn't just like keeping up with my interest because one. Netflix shows, for some odd reason, especially now, are going on much longer than they should be. Because it used to be like maybe 40 minutes, and sometimes it'd be like an hour, sometimes an hour episode. Usually around like the midpoint, where like it'd be like 55 minutes to an hour, or something like that. Now, if you watch a new series on Netflix, chances are a lot of these episodes are like over an hour long, over an hour long, over an hour long. Or you might be lucky where it was like, oh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, 15, something like that. So it's so it was well, because we just want more content as viewers. Yeah. Like, I think I feel like that's what it is. It's like if there's something we like, we just want as much of it as we can get and we want more. And when they see, OK, this show, people are really liking this show. Um, so let's just add more runtime to the episodes. Let's give them more time to for the storytelling. Yeah. Like the yeah. last uh, like the last season of Lucifer, like 
the majority of the episodes are either in the 50 minute category to one hour in some cases. Only one of them was like in the 40 minute range. And that was almost close to 50 minutes anyway. Yeah. So, it's, and, but again, still, but it was still, it was still a great show regardless. But again, to your point, yeah, they are yeah. definitely, yeah. And, and, and I think that's the reason why I was drunk. Well, one, and also the, it's definitely one about the runtime where it's just like they were just going more and more, you know, longer in terms of these episodes. And I was like, and in doing so, I just couldn't care less about some of these characters. I mean, yeah, I could care. I actually cared more about some of the side characters than I did about Sabrina and her plight to be, you know, queen of hell. Like, I don't want to be queen of hell and all that stuff. And then suddenly, you know, her aunts have a more interesting story or some of her friends have more of an interesting story. I was like, I want to know more about that. And, and then, so, and, and then literally like half of the episode will be about Sabrina, like, trying to do some Queen of Hell stuff and then half the episode will be focusing on her friends and like I would rather focus on the friends and not about Sabrina and Hell because mm-hmm. you would think Sabrina and Hell being an interesting uh, plot point but the way they handle it is like it's like very very I wouldn't say melodramatic it just wasn't handled as as best as they could especially mm-hmm. with especially with uh, it being on Netflix you know you, you expect it to be like oh Netflix some not like rated M type of stuff but definitely like more adultish, but they still play it as more like uh, something you would see on network TV. Mm-hmm. So it definitely didn't really uh, hit its mark as I as I think they should have done. Mm-hmm. But speaking of hell, and this is a great segue into my next uh, attraction, especially with casting news. Uh, a while back, Hulu announced that they were doing a, they were they were producing a Hellraiser movie. And I, uh, I, I'm not sure if Clyde Barker is attached to it because I think he is attached to it because he's attached to both a Hellraiser TV show on HBO Max and I believe the Hellraiser Hulu movie. But the Hellraiser Hulu movie is a whole new movie, right? It's a whole new thing. It's not connected to anything else. The HBO, the HBO Max show, which is produced, which is being produced by David Gore Green, who has directed Halloween, Halloween Kills, Your Highness, uh, you know, other other type of comedy movies in the past. But the Hellraiser things it actually works in works in the, in its favor because one, Hellraiser always has a very convoluted, and I do mean this, convoluted time uh, timeline. If you thought that Marvel was convoluted, especially uh, with Homecoming when it says oh eight years ago when and then people like eight years ago wouldn't wouldn't that be like 2012 and sort of like and they're trying to like because uh, because when well Spider- actually well I say well Marvel's done a pretty good job like they only had yeah like the only issue they've had with like timeline was like Homecoming and I think that's just because someone just made a mistake yeah but with Hellraiser it is much more of a uh, it's hard to describe Hellraiser's timeline because when it goes into like this, you have the first four films, right? You have Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, Hell on Earth, and then Bloodlines. That's sort of like the main four movies. And then after, and then essentially with five, six, seven, eight, and then nine and ten, you have essentially the last two movies were trying to build its own thing, even though they're the director video. Like they had its own little contained storyline because they were made by the same director and same writer and same production crew, so they had that own self-contained thing. But at the same time, it was its own little like narrative where it doesn't fit anything else aside from the fact that oh, the main villain—I mean, the, the, one of the main characters is Pinhead. Mm-hmm. So, but with this, it actually works in its favor because the HBO Max story, uh, Hellraiser TV show, kind of like ties into the movies. Hmm. Okay. 
while this one on Hulu is essentially a fresh reboot. Mm. And yeah, Clive Barker is actually being uh, one of the producers on on the the Hulu uh, Hellraiser or Hulu Razor, yeah, Hulu Razor or mm. or something to that effect. But it's described as more of a, a laurel yet evolved reimagining of his original movie. So help the Hellraiser. But the reason why I'm talking about this is actually because the the person who they cast as the new pinhead or the hell priest is Jamie Clayton, who is a transgender a transgender actress is actually playing is a, a, yeah transgender actress. And I mention this because one. The people who were ma- who were mad because Hulu was remaking Hellraiser was like now they're just like trying to be progressive and whatnot. Even though Pinhead is a character, and if you read if you read the actual description of Pinhead, the Hell Priest in the thing does not have an actual appearance. The only thing that they that Clive Barker notes is that Pinhead's voice sounds feminine, even though his body or its body, I should say has no real, like, facial features and whatnot. It's more like a mesh of flesh, essentially. Uh, he, In a way, it's like, I think he mentions, it, like, Pinhead's, like, skin is, like, uh, tatted rags made of flesh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Aside from the whole, you know, pins on his head, mm-hmm. or in a yeah. sense. But, yeah, uh, Jamie Klein, who starred in uh, Sense8, genera- uh, The L War, Generation Q, and probably a few other things, she was, like, very open about saying, oh, you know, she seemed to be very open on the fact that she's playing, you know, a major character like Pinhead. And when I was reading on both Reddit and on Twitter, people were just like, one, people were not letting go of the fact that the last two Hellraiser movies were that bad, and they had people trying to emulate Doug Bradley. And, and if you've seen, like, the picture of one previous Hellraisers, it looks like essentially the Hellraiser uh, thing you buy from Wish.com. I mm-hmm. joke about that, but it looks horrible. And compared to at least the second movie when they did, is like, at least they tried it a little more better, but it's like, eh. But the, the, the Reddit stuff I read, you know, people were, like, just unsure why they just couldn't cast like Doug Bradley in the in the role. Why they had a gender flip it with a female, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, an actress playing the role. But like I said before, I don't think when you're playing a demon or or a supernatural being like Pinhead, uh, race, gender should not matter because it's still a character. But also, it's a supernatural creature. It's a supernatural being. You know, yeah, like literally, the show Supernatural does that all the time, where it's like. It's clear the demons seem to have kind of, you know, or just they, like maybe they have a preference as to who they inhabit, but they can literally inhabit any body and do what they do. Yeah, and I think it was mostly people were just outraged because they have a transgender actress playing the role of a uh, male identifying character uh, or masculine identifying character, mainly because oh, Pinhead is it was performed by an you know classically trained actor for like like over like 25 years and stuff like that too so it was like a lot of people are just mad because of like people are just trying to like be more progressive and whatnot even though it's a character so like uh age race gender should not really matter of who's playing what character so yeah yeah it's like it's like from the same kind of people who like see some change to some show that's been going on that they only would have watched like a long time ago when they were younger and probably haven't watched it at all now who are like, 
They're killing my childhood. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like the same thing with, uh, you know, just yesterday uh, on National Coming Out Day. Uh, DC announced that their new Superman, John Kent, uh, clocks, uh, what is it? I think it's like. That's his son. Or is that the son or is that the clone? No, his son. Because I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if they're doing the same thing like Superman Lois, where they have like twins now. But essentially, John Kent, Superman's son, came out as bisexual, and people were having a whole field there. It was like, how can you make Superman bisexual and stuff like that? Too one, it's a fictional character. Two, Superman has always been uh, portrayed as someone who uh, protects and represent, uh, rep- yeah, represents essentially the normal, uh, the normal everyday man and stuff like that too and having someone uh, essentially what's the term uh not only question who he is but also to question who he loves is like that's just like that's not uh what they what the term is woke you know that's not being woke that's just being you know normal you know exactly this is plant there's plenty of people who, who have the same thing where it's just like Oh, you know, they're, they're discovering this known sexuality. They're discovering their own uh, identity, you know. Mm-hmm. But with the thing with the, the Hellraiser thing, I think people are just pissed off because one, they, you know, it's like it's like you know, it's like we just a bit said before. It's like how dare they, you know, ruin my childhood or ruin my character by casting mm-hmm. essentially a woman to play this character, even though one of the main uh, Casting choices for the new Hellraiser was Elizabeth. She's, the, she's like a very tall lady who was in Guardians of the Galaxy too. It's like Elizabeth, the like she played the Golden Lady, mm-hmm. and and I, I was like, I remember her being essentially listed as a casting choice because one, she's like incredibly British, and apparently, in order to play a villain, you have to be British, especially if you're a demon. <laughs> I always like that joke, but you know. yeah. And yet people were like, you know, how can you stuff like that, too? And I think it just boils down to fans just being, you know, cryberries. And you know, I, mm-hmm. I welcome, you know, Hulu, Hulu's version of Hellraiser, because one, it's Hellraiser. Hellraiser is a type of movie that 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 uh, invokes not only suspense and fear, but also just invokes a, uh, a certain type of of. Uh, genre that isn't really body horror but still is like connected to that little notion of what is horror especially if it's like happening to your body and stuff like that too it's 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 psychological but at the same time it's not really psychological at the point of being like that mm-hmm. i know i'm going i know i'm going to a long thing but you know that's okay hellraiser just happens to be like one of those uh, series now that i've grown to appreciate more now that i like what's more of it because when i watched it when i was younger or as a starting a horror fan i really wasn't like at all like convinced this was a good horror series at all and then as i grew older i was like oh i totally understand everything now maybe it's because it's one maybe it's because one i'm like like i'm a i'm a lapsed catholic so i was like all that catholicism all that stuff is kind of like wearing off on me so i'm just like hey i understand all this stuff now but now it's just like you know i welcome essentially hbo and hulu creating their own little hellraiser worlds or hellraiser series to see you know it's uh, but it's also like the same thing with uh, Orion and uh, 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 Universal a few years ago when they when Orion did uh, you know Chucky and mm-hmm. Charles play they remade Charles play and it was a you know the same thing they remade Charles play and it wasn't connected to it at all to the new movie to the old movies it was a whole fresh new thing and you know even though they had Mark Hamill playing. Chucky, people like it's still they still want everything connected back to the to uh to previous movies. So it's like 
I think in the end, it doesn't matter who's playing who or anything else. It's just like fans are not happy unless it's connected to the, a thing that they are connected to. Mm-hmm. Like, like it has to, t- it has to be tied into the past. Yeah. For them to like, yeah. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And like, like, it, like it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like if there's any change to any, like something that they believe should be what it is, it's like that's where. You know they freak out. Yeah, it's like and and if they do try to bring the past and it goes into uh, uh, like the last thing, which is Halloween. Uh, when people do bring back past characters, it's like you know people will be pissed off if they if they just bring out those past characters just to kill them off because even though they just serve uh, a notion of they just they're just a body you know off of the body count. Uh, but yeah, I welcome two new Hellraiser products because one, it's Hellraiser, and two, you know, Pinhead has always been a fantastic villain to read and watch because he is neither he is neither a villain nor is he a hero. He's literally in that balance where he doesn't feel like it's a uh, like 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 what it always says. It's a demon to some, but an angel to others. So you have to have that little uh, thing. Mm-hmm. You okay there? I see you. You're like yawning every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I basically just get barely any sleep anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But, you know, it's like that. It's like that disclaimer. It's like um, depending on how much you take, you might you might see this person as an angel or a demon. <laughs> Warning: side effects may include death. Yes. <laughs> and but yeah. Uh, and my last discussion point actually goes into Halloween. Halloween Kills is actually premiering this week. Uh, it's going to be both in theaters and on Hulu. Why am I saying Hulu on Peacock? <laughs> I, I, I think because we just talked about Hulu for a while. Yeah, for a while now too. So yeah, uh, and also it also goes to show show you how forgettable Peacock is as a streaming platform too, especially. Uh, but hopefully, maybe you know they'll start doing the whole notion of uh, putting these things on um, on their streaming uh, streaming service to watch and stuff going to theater, especially if it's like a you know. Uh, and I know we just had this discussion like a few weeks ago, but Peacock really is like one of those type of services where it is largely forgettable. But hopefully, you know, this week it does get like a surge of people wanting to use Peacock and stuff like that too. But with Halloween Kills coming out this weekend, I, and we were just discussing about this at the start of the thing, uh, there's a tiny bit of controversy happening with this movie already. And in the trailer, right as Michael Myers is escape, has escaped from a burning house, he uses essentially uh, t- he uses his time to essentially kill all the uh, firemen that's outside trying to you know salvage the thing. And apparently, there's a and I read through the the, the petition last night. There's a petition online just to say get this scene exercised out of the movie because it, it shows firemen in a bad light and will have people trying to lure firemen to their death by you know burning down houses and stuff like that too. And I was reading the thing. It's like it doesn't look like it was one. It reads like a parody, and two, it reads like it it was like not taken seriously. But there's like close to 500 signatures last night and yeah it, i just I, I can't fathom the stupid yeah it's, it's like if this is it's like if this is some sort of parody of like you know like blue lives matter kind of thing this then if that's the case and this is a, this is an incredibly poor attempt at parody for one thing yeah and, and also too it's like who sees firemen in a bad light anyway like who has ever seen firemen in a bad light ever like what? Like I live right next to a fire station, and they're, they're like some of the uh, overjoyous 
people I've seen, you know, they always, uh, you know, and I live right next to a police station. I mean, live right by a police station as well. And some of them are very nice, too. And it's like, I can understand why people are so. But it's just the idea that, oh, you know, they're, they're portraying. Uh, they're just portraying uh, what's call it, uh, firemen in a bad light because they're just being used as uh, tools for the body count. And one, and this is what we were just talking about before. Michael Myers does not discriminate. He will kill anyone. You know? And also, and also too, it's like, um, so I haven't seen any of the other movies. From what I've seen, it looks like the movie seems to kind of start with this sort of like Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to burn down this house that Michael Myers is in to kill him, but then these firefighters show up trying to put out the fire, yeah. and then Michael Myers because he's like. You know, again, like I said, he will literally kill anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't care about your race, your religion, your, uh, your gender. Like he doesn't give a shit. He will kill just for the sake of killing because that's who he is. So, so it kind of makes sense that it's like, one, he would kill the firefighters that are there. And two, like, you know, a firefighter is going to have an axe. So like, of course there's probably going to be a scene where one of them's trying to, you know, use the axe to then kill Michael Myers because Michael Myers would have probably just grabbed one of the firemen and just killed him immediately. So then the other one who has the axe is trying, you know, would probably try to swing it. And again, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I'm just making a guess. But yeah, it's like, it, it just makes sense he would do that. And it's like, how would anyone see Fireman in a bad light? Because one, Michael Myers doesn't exist. You couldn't do that anyway. Even is if that- you tried to copy that, you wouldn't be able to successfully do it. Nobody would. <laughs> like, like, literally, you would... Like, first of all, you'd probably get bodied to the ground anyway by some of these firefighters. Especially <laughs> since, you know, uh, they, are we- they are wearing, like, maybe, what, 80 pounds of gear or something like that? Like, for either- like, like Yeah, like a crap ton of, like, essentially fireproof gear or fire retardant gear, whatever the proper terminology is, to protect them from, you know, intense yeah. heat and flames. Yeah, uh, and and this is, again, you know, Michael Myers, and Michael Myers has always been a fantastic character to always read and also to see an action because, you know, you don't really understand his um, form of actions. He's always like, he's literally, uh, the best way to describe it is like, uh, he, he literally does things on a spur of the whim. You know, he will kill someone because if he feels like it or, or if he doesn't want it, or if he, it's like someone's just in his way, he will, you know, kill them. You know, it's like, exactly. and, and having like essentially an Apple bot, uh, yeah, Apple, uh, amount of people right in front of him, just as he's like one in the previous movie, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis, Laurie Schrode, she traps him in, in, in a basement that essentially is just designed to kill him. And he's literally in a fire, like in a basement designed to kill him and fires is raging and everything. And then suddenly he's not there anymore, and we and we just think, oh, he's actually able to disappear on like disappear again. And of course, in a realistic outcome, when there's a fire, fire you know, fire department goes to where the fire is. And if you're dealing with a psychotic killer who is like not only strong but also hard to kill, yeah, like seemingly the, immortal too. Seemingly immortal too. You get the you get the, the sensation of oh, um. So Michael Myers uh, just killed a bunch of firemen. Uh, we can't really stop that. Um, and he's coming back to town, and he's quite pissed off. Uh, and I th- and and that's another thing about Michael Myers is that he is portrayed a lot more angrier in these new movies because one, they're not using the whole sister thing mm. or sister route, where it's like, oh, Jimmy Lee Curtis is just his sister, so he's just going after his sister. Here, he's just like like an old serial killer who has gotten his taste of blood again. 
And now he's just like going and going back to town to literally go after people. Mm. So it definitely feels like there's a lot more. Oh, you know, pe- you know, people are just trying to get, you know, not like upset for the sake of being upset. Yeah, as uh, upset for the sake of being upset. Like if if this was a, the same thing, then uh, what was it? Thirteen years. Uh, the Dark Knight came out in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight is like thirteen years ago now. Yeah, like but just yeah, just a while back. Yeah. Yeah, a while back. This is like if someone who saw in the Dark Knight that the Joker, you know, was charging cops and it goes like after the movie is like someone tried to uh, make a petition to exercise the scene where. The Joker is in a uh, cop uniform to kill, essentially, to create chaos, and then suddenly that entire scene, that whole entire supply is cut out because then you were like, why is Jim Gordon already dead? It's like, it's like, you know, why is you know Harvey Dent uh, interrogating this, uh, interrogating this crazy guy? You know, it's like you. And, and and also too, it just further plays into the Joker because it's like he has those noticeable scars still without the makeup, and it's like. People would notice that, but he's still able to just walk right among everybody, and no one really seemed to notice. Yeah, so because also because like, it just further plays into what that Joker character is, where it's like he only serves as this sort of mirror to show everyone what their darkness could be. Oh yeah, and um, like which he does in all of his conversations with everybody. So it's like yeah, cutting out that scene would literally make no sense, and it would just like create such a hole in the plot, and it would just yeah. And I'm not sure, and because the movie hasn't been released out yet, so I'm like, I'm not sure if like cutting out a scene where Michael Myers kills a bunch of firemen would be you know ex- you know one I would understand you know and another it, it's like imagine it's a, too if they did this in literally every kind of superhero movie where it's like. You have to show your supervillain doing something bad. It's like, no, just cut it, just cut it. You yeah. can't, you know, have these these certain people being seen in a bad light. And it's like it's and it's like it's essentially a fantasy movie. It's not even real in any way, shape, or form. It's like imagining Lex Luthor uh, handling businesses with, even though I'm pretty sure he's done this in the past, handling businesses where people who are terrorists, you know, overseas and whatnot, and then suddenly the 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 people who were in the the scene, you know, uh, the, it was named group and whatnot. It has Lex Luthor, you know, handling, you know, selling over some like arms dealership or something like that. Some like you know, some satellite that LexCorp has that he, you know, that that they buy so they can use it against Americans or whatnot. And then suddenly it's like there's this whole pl- you know subplot of Superman or Batman or whatnot, and you know, like they're just trying to you know, or the Joker or something like that. That it's like suddenly. You just have this whole subplot of this, like Lex Luthor uh, selling one of his satellites to uh, essentially a terrorist group, and then suddenly this terrorist group in real life becomes like a, a reality or something like that. And then someone's like, "Oh, we got let's just exercise in this entire plot line." You know, one I understand it if it makes sense or if it actually does hurt, you know hurt people. I do understand that. You know, if it does hurt people and because the same thing happened uh, 20 years ago when a lot of people had uh, like 9/11 related imagery in their movies, so they had you know obviously had to take it down. You know, Spider-Man yeah. had a uh, yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man had a fantastic trailer where he used twin towers as a way to trap uh, some bank robbers. Uh, Leon, Leo, and Stiff literally had to rework the entire last act of their movie because they used an airplane as a thing, so they had to you know redesign it as a um like a spaceship a, or something. Yeah, a spaceship. So. And 
if I remember correctly, uh, Men in Black 2 had, like, one of the original endings for Men in Black 2 had the Twin Towers being used as a in giant, uh, a very, like, a giant neutralizer, I mean, neutralizer, uh, neuralizer. So, hmm. so instead of it being, like, the Statue of Liberty or something like that, it would have been, like, the Twin Towers just, like, being one big uh, neutralizer. Hmm. So that just basically wipes out the entire minds of Manhattan somehow. Which mm-hmm. I, you know, in hindsight, that I still question that. It's like, how does the Statue of Liberty essentially wipe essentially everyone's mind with? Not only that, how does a neuralizer work when even if someone is maybe blind or someone has their eyes closed for one second? Well, and also, what if someone's looking the other way? Exactly. Like you just have to turn the other way, and then everyone just you just turn around, and everyone just seems to be acting weird, and it's like, why is everyone acting like we didn't just see this big alien creature? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Movie logic. Movie logic, but I understand if they, you know if some people are sensitive about this stuff and they do want to take these scenes out of things and you know there are other countries that actually do take out scenes like this to you know but from what I was reading it was it obviously reading like it, it was like a bad form of parody where it's just like there like and not only that there was like a lot of gram grammar you know grammar spelling errors that stuff, stuff like that you know, like some of these words were even written like uh, uh they were written down like it was like a random like capitalization letter in one of them too so it was like it's obviously something that's like someone literally just wanted to do it as a way of uh not as a form of protest but just to try and get famous for like a day or something like that mm-hmm. but yeah that was the week mostly uh, mostly quiet in in terms of uh entertainment world uh entertainment news aside from like more horror related stuff but it works because you know it's october and it's spooky art you know it's it's, it's spooky season you know <laughs> if this exactly. is the only if this is the only episode of the of downstage so far that has like horror related things i'll be happy but you know uh but yeah yeah this this whole week was just like very it went by quick, but it also was like very, very quiet in terms of like big, big news. I mean, aside from uh, was it uh, Twitch uh, banning some streamer because you know banning some streamer again for like the fifth time? It was like really nothing really that reactionary to uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll be back, like whoever was that man, because like if you've been there for the fifth time, they're clearly going to come back anyway. Oh yeah, and especially since uh, the the person to the stream, you know, it's like brings in like you know twenty thousand views per like live stream or something like that, or Twitch stream, where it happens. Yeah. Uh, well, Hayden, uh, yeah, that was episode five, six. I have no idea. Maybe it was five, maybe six. I have. No, we'll, we'll we'll sort it out in post. Yeah, we'll sort it out in post. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Downstage with Brian and Hayden. Uh, as always, please be well and stay safe. And Hayden? Just uh, peace out, everyone, and have fun in spooky season. Exactly.